real way to health and the real way to wellness, that it is not found at the bottom of a pill bottle. It is not found in procedures. Those doctors are Band-Aid fixes. And the cause almost invariably starts with poor nutrition and environmental pollutants. But all these things, like I said, every one of them are like little uh, natural pharmaceuticals. But why not get them from the spices when you can do things naturally? Because if we think about it from a biochemical standpoint, it's really quite fascinating how the body is doing one thing to prop up blood pressure with the production of all these different proteins. So why, why is this going haywire? Because nobody has the natural components from the other side, from the food side, to regulate that, to keep a, a happy balance there. Here's what happens. You know, if you take the drug, your risk of a heart attack is 8%. If you, um, if you don't take the drug, your risk is 10%. Well, that's a 2% difference that the pharmaceutical industry and the physicians have really capitalized on. But we don't want you at 10% or 8%. We want you at 0%. And that's what the goal is of my medical practice, of the book. I talk about who needs procedures, who doesn't, so people can hear the truth from a doctor because they're not getting it from their own doctor. Happy Thursday, all you optimizers. I am your host, Ryan Muncy. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast sponsored by Natural Stacks. Natural Stacks makes 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more on building optimal performance into your life, both mental and physical performance, check out naturalstacks.com. All right, really cool episode for you guys this week. Uh, at Paleo Effects a few months ago, we were lucky enough to meet Dr. Jack Wolfson, the paleo cardiologist. So we're going to sit down with him today and talk about uh, a bunch of different health topics and tips that, that we can implement into our lives um, to enjoy that optimal way of living um, that we're all uh, pursuing and seeking. So this is a really cool episode because, you know, a lot of times we do get to talk to biohackers and nutritionists and uh, people in this space, but it's really cool this time to actually be talking to a, a practicing physician, a, a doctor of, of osteopathic medicine, um, Dr. Wilson is a practicing board certified cardiologist. His wife is a chiropractic physician. So uh, together they are the doctors Wilson. Dr. Jack actually wrote the book, The Paleocardiologist. You'll hear a little bit about the book. We'll talk about it here in the podcast and we'll have some links in the show notes for you to be able to check that book out if you want. Um, now's a good time to mention uh, the Show notes, links, resources, video version of this will all be on the optimalperformance.com site. So head over to optimalperformance.com and you'll be able to see links, videos, uh, show notes, all that stuff, uh, links to Dr. Wolfson's book. And make sure you leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you like the Optimal Performance Podcast. And please share it with any of your friends or family who would benefit from the things that we're talking about. Uh, speaking of the things that we're talking about, back to today's show, Dr. Wilson, um, you know, basically everything he's doing came from his frustration with the modern medical, um, uh, I don't know what you're going to call it, orthodoxy, right? So we'll steal that word from Joel Salatin. Uh, previous podcast, if you want to go check that one out, was a great episode with Joel Salatin. Uh, last week, we just talked to uh, Dr. Raleigh Duncan. 
uh, about the benefits of saunas. So if you haven't heard those, make sure you guys go back and check out those awesome episodes. Um, but back to today, Dr. Wolfson is, um, he, he's, he's breaking free of the orthodoxy in the way that we think of modern medicine to find um, better and alternative routes. So rather than, uh, as you heard in the intro, rather than being a, a Band-Aid type doctor, rather than addressing uh, the, the symptom, he's actually looking at the root cause. And again, as you heard in the intro, most of that stems from poor nutrition uh, and environmental toxins. So that's going to be kind of uh, the, the key that, that we focus on here in this episode. Uh, so get ready. You're going to hear some really cool tips on how to uh, avoid those environmental toxins, how to eat, um, some really cool stuff on spices and foods. Uh, so I'm going to stop talking. You guys enjoy this episode. Brian Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is he's the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncy's an innovator. Guys, we are here joined by Dr. Jack Wolfson, the paleo cardiologist. That's actually a tongue twister more so than it seems. Um, Dr. Jack Wolfson is joining us. We met Dr. Wolfson at Paleo FX and been really looking forward to sitting down and recording this show for uh, almost a month and a half now. So, Dr. Wolfson, tell us a little bit about how you became the paleo cardiologist. Well, thank you, Ryan. It's uh, you know it's kind of a long story, and obviously I tell the story uh, well in my book about how it happened. But it was really kind of the patients that I kept talking to about paleo nutrition, and people would hear about me, and they would call up the practice and say, you know what, I want to see the paleo cardiologist. I don't know his name, but uh, that's how it kind of stuck. So when some of my old staff members would come up and say, hey, listen, uh, you're being called a paleo cardiologist. You know, these patients want to see you. So it kind of stuck from right there, and obviously it was appropriate. I was telling all my patients about eating like our ancestors did, eating uh, paleo lifestyle, living the paleo lifestyle, and that's how it stuck. And it's been that way ever since. It's certainly a title I, I embrace. I'm not, uh, you know, it's really about paleo nutrition and trying to live the paleo lifestyle as much as possible in the 21st century to re, you know regain our health. Yeah, and I think a lot of what you prescribe and teach, uh, both in your practice and in your book, aligns with the message that we're trying to deliver um, to our customers and here on the podcast. So we're going to dig into a lot of that today. But before we get into all of that, uh, on your website, you talk about uh, awakening the world to wellness. What does that mean to you, uh, and, and how did this become a priority in your life? Well, first of all, when it comes to priority, the, the reason why I do this, why my wife, who is a chiropractic physician, does this, we do it because of our love of children, most importantly, our children, but also everybody else's. So we're doing this to make the world a safer place for our children, our family, uh, and for yours. And that's you know pretty much how it all got started. And you know, some time ago, uh, you know, when I was with my old cardiology practice, I was there for 10 years doing angiograms, pacemakers. I was just really frustrated, frustrated with what's going on in, in modern medicine. So the whole idea of awakening the world to wellness uh, is about telling people kind of the, the real way to health and the real way to wellness, that it is not found at the bottom of a pill bottle. It is not found in procedures. Those doctors are Band-Aid fixes. They use Band-Aid fixes. What I'm all about, what the website is all about, 
is about getting to the cause. And the cause almost invariably starts with poor nutrition and environmental pollutants. And if we get people aware of what the right nutrition is and what these environmental toxins are, we're going to do some extraordinarily extraordinary things to really change the world. Well, you mentioned, I think, three of the questions that I have lined up for you. So I'm going to ignore some of the things that you just said and save those questions for later. Um, but I, I just want to highlight, I think it's so cool that, you know, in this paleo world and, and in the, the optimal performance world, the primal world, uh, biohacking, you have all of these people who are taking health and, and their well-being into their own hands and going kind of outside of the orthodoxy or, or the, the mainstream practices. And I think it's so cool to see a practicing physician, you know, a, a board-certified cardiologist like yourself, uh, joining this and, and you know, integrating that into your practice. I think, you know, like we said before we even started recording, it, it does lend credibility to the movement. And, you know, we really like having well-educated and, and, you know, professional doctors on our show to kind of give us the, the science-based and, and the, the real application of a lot of this stuff. Um, so we're really looking forward to, to getting your takes on, on what we should be doing. Um, so, so with that, I want to jump right in. As a cardiologist, what do we need to know to optimize heart health and overall health? Well, I think it's, you know, there, there's obviously everyone and every doctor, and, there, and frankly, like you said, there's not many of us. There's not many natural, holistic-minded doctors that are out there. I mean, for every one of us, there's a hundred on the other side that are uh, certainly not embracing this wellness model. They're still stuck in the pill and the procedure approach, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, but there are some phenomenal uh, medical doctors that are speaking out uh, like I am on a whole variety of topics. And I think really that's kind of the beauty of the internet and of shows, you know, like you and I are talking right now is that the education is out there. This isn't like the 1970s, right? Where, you know, you went to your doctor and your doctor said, uh, you know, well, Ryan, you know, you got headaches, uh, you know, so here's your aspirin. And if that doesn't work, add on Tylenol. And you're like, what? Okay, thanks, I guess. Uh, and now, obviously, you can take that information and get on the internet and say, what, Tylenol causes what? And wait a second, aspirin causes this, and Motrin causes this? Wait a second, and some guy over here is just saying, just take magnesium and avoid electromagnetic fields, and I'm fixed. And you know what? I did it, and it worked. So I think there's some fantastic information uh, uh, that's out there, and it's really been a total game changer. But, you know, in my practice, you know, I, I basically kind of run down – the list with people, and we talk about the nutrition. We talk about their personal home environment. We talk about the importance of sleep. We talk about physical activity. We talk about relaxation and getting the stress out of people's lives. We talk about the critical nature of sunshine, right? How many doctors are vilifying the sun when the sun is the source of all life and our ancestors have been in the sun for millions of years, why would we possibly think in any strange way that that is dangerous for us? Uh, you know, so once again, trying to open up the people's eyes to these conversations and saying, wait a second, that really makes sense. Uh, and explaining from a biochemical standpoint about how sunshine works. And everybody's kind of caught up on this whole vitamin D craze. And vitamin D is extraordinarily important, but what we're learning is, is that when people have low levels and you give them supplements, 
it doesn't get them back to normal. It doesn't get them where they would normally be if they were getting the vitamin D solely through sunshine and through food. And I think it's because there are so many other things, obviously, that the power of the sun does uh, besides the whole vitamin D uh, you know, mechanisms. That's a really interesting point. Will you elaborate on that? You know, what, what else should people be doing, you know, other than taking a high quality vitamin D supplement and getting out in the sun? Uh, when it comes to boosting vitamin D levels? Sure. Uh, I, I would, you know, say, you know, here's one thing, a couple things about the paleo movement is that everybody is running around. Uh, I'm going to give you three things about the paleo movement. Uh, everybody's running around talking about the importance of uh, eating meat. Uh, and eating seafood and eggs, uh, and I'm totally for that. But things that I stress: number one, everything has to be free range, free range, pasture raised, ethically raised, responsible. Paleo is what we're all about. So I've never want I never want anyone to get the impression like, oh, Wolfson's saying go to Burger King and have a double Whopper, hold the bun. Obviously, we're, you know, you and I are not talking about that. So responsible paleo. Number two is the health benefits of spices. So making sure that when you, when you do your grass-fed burgers, you're throwing in rosemary, thyme, and oregano, and celery seed. These, and it doesn't have to be any particular recipe. Just get out the grass-fed you know, patty uh, you know, or pound, you know, uh, you know, ground beef, and then just throw the spices in there. And, of course, everyone knows about the benefit of onions and about garlic and throwing that in there. Another one of my favorite additives is capers. Capers is absolutely, totally, naturally, uh, 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 like a little natural pharmaceutical. It's fantastic. Uh, so getting in lots of herbs and spices. And then the third thing I would throw into that mix is organ meats. So it gets me back to where we were talking about with the vitamin D is that organ meats uh, and eggs uh, contain a lot of vitamin D. Vitamin, uh, uh, muscle meat really does not have any significant amount to it. And our paleo ancestors went after that organ meat. It was the treasured component. When, another, when one animal kills another animal in the wild, they eat the organs. When a great white shark is attacked by a killer whale, that killer whale knocks the shark unconscious. It does another spin by, grabs that liver from that great white shark, and then swims away. And the rest of the shark is down there for the crabs at the bottom. So... Uh, we want to make sure that we are getting the full complement of paleo foods. And then finally, let me say one more thing about this, is that there's a lot of different paleo pyramids that are out there. And we've adopted the pyramid, of course, because of the disgusting food pyramid that was pro, uh, produced by our government, which is now the food plate, which is just as bad. Uh, and it's the fact that our foundation of our pyramid is vegetables, 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 vegetables at every opportunity. Uh, I certainly believe every human should be eating meat and or seafood, uh, but certainly vegetables, as far as the mass quantity, uh, should be the majority of our diet. There's a lot of really good information in that answer, so hopefully everybody caught all that. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's great that you mentioned uh, how our ancestors went for organ meats first, and, and you know we talked about this on a previous show with another guest where you know, they would actually leave the skeletal muscle meats for the scavengers, you know, that they would just get the organ meat. Um, I want to highlight some of those spices that you mentioned, because that is not something that we've talked about on the podcast before. Uh, we have talked about rosemary and its ability to um, kind of scavenge carcinogenic um, materials and AGEs, advanced glycation end products, when you cook with rosemary. 
But you mentioned thyme, oregano, sesame seed, uh, even capers. Can you elaborate on, on some of the specific benefits of those? Sure thing. Well, the caper uh, is a uh, green bud from a flowering plant, and it is the single highest source of an antioxidant and anti-inflammatory known as quercetin. And quercetin is found in just about every anti-inflammatory supplement, powder, whatever people are coming out with on the market regarding supplements. And I love supplements. I'm a huge supplement pusher. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but that being said, uh, if we can get it from food, let's start there certainly at first. Right. And quercetin, uh, is, it is loaded inside the caper. And oftentimes, uh, people, I'll speak for myself, I won't include you in this, but historically for me, it's been a bite of salmon, and if there happens to be a caper in that bite, well, then I'll eat that caper. But now we really want to search out every last every last bit uh, and get the benefit there. Uh, celery seed. Celery seed is a phenomenal source of nitrates, and nitrates are converted by the oral bacteria into nitrites and then swallowed and, and converted into nitric oxide, the body's main vasodilator, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, antiplatelet. So it's a natural blood thinner. So celery seed and celery seed powder. But all these things, like I said, every one of them are like little natural pharmaceuticals. And from a cardiovascular standpoint, one of the ways they operate is that they are natural ACE inhibitors. And there's a class of pharmaceuticals called ACE inhibitors. Uh, uh, Captopril was the first, Captopril, Enalapril, Lisinopril, all these ones that end in PRIL. Uh, they've been used as pharmaceuticals for 25, 30 years by mainstream doctors, and they're still being used. But why not get them from the spices when you can do things naturally? Because if we think about it from a biochemical standpoint, it's really quite fascinating how the body is doing one thing to prop up blood pressure with the production of all these different proteins. So why, why is this going haywire? Because nobody has the natural components from the other side, from the food side, to regulate that to keep a, a happy balance there. Uh, you just got married, so to keep that happy marriage, you need the things that are increasing blood pressure, the things that are normalizing blood pressure, and you live a long life together. I thought it was just happy wife, happy life. Yeah, and that, <laughs> that's the truth. That's, no. that's, that's well, well said. Well, yes. that's, that's really great information. And when we had Paul Jaminet on, author of The Perfect Health Diet, he talked about uh, nitrites and nitrates um, very much the same way you just did. So very cool information there. Quercetin, another great source is apples. Um, I would never knew that capers were the number one source. So that's really cool. Um, oregano, thyme, anything on those? You know, once again, I mean, they both have that ACE inhibitory capability. And when you okay. block that ACE in enzyme uh, naturally. It's not just about blood pressure. A lot of good things happen. Once again, that helps to lower inflammation, lower oxidative stress. Uh, and, uh, you know, what the, uh, the, the, my favorite source of nitrates is beets and beetroot powder. We go through a lot of beetroot powder in my, in my practice for all the hypertensives, but I recommend it for children. I recommend it for people with normal blood pressure. It's not going to drop anyone's blood pressure too low. It's going to keep that blood flowing nicely. Uh, obtaining some nitric oxide uh, salivary test strips is a good way to make sure you're on the right track. If you need more, all those leafy greens are going to be in that same category. 
But uh, yeah, nitrates, uh, nitrites is a very exciting pathway. The other pathway that helps increase nitric oxide, of course, is L-arginine, nitric oxide synthase, uh, uh, L-citrulline, so watermelon rind. Yep. Uh, whoever would think of, and, and don't forget, you know, uh, Ryan, you're talking to a Chicago guy. I grew up eating deep dish pizza, <laughs> hot dogs, Italian beef sandwiches. I grew up with every piece of junk possible. Yep. Um, so for me to be saying this is kind of like sacrilege to all my buddies back in uh, Chi Town, but uh, it really, it really is exciting on what you can do uh, with food uh, as far as healing is concerned. Yeah, it really is, and it's cool that you mentioned decreasing oxidative stress. Um, we just had a few episodes ago on the podcast, we had Dr. Bill Andrews, who's anti-aging, longevity, and a big part of sure. increasing aging, or increasing longevity, reducing aging, is reducing oxidative stress. Uh, you mentioned beetroot powder. How are you using that? Well, uh, beetroot powder, I tell people, one, tea, one teaspoon uh, typically, and of course it's organic. Our product has no fillers, nothing like that in there to give the shameless, shameless plug to our product. But uh, it's in a glass bottle. So anyways, you know, one uh, heaping teaspoon, two, at least once a day. For those people with blood flow issues, angina, uh, uh, coronary chest pain, circulation, uh, erectile dysfunction, blood pressure issues, the beetroot powder is absolutely phenomenal there, which, which takes us to the next point regarding that. And I'm not sure if Dr. Jaminet uh, or Jaminet uh, talked about it, but uh, the, the importance of having good bacteria in the mouth which activate the nitrate into the nitrite. Uh, so all these people that are using Listerine and Scope and these different mouthwashes, doing everything they can with toothpaste to try and get rid of the bacteria in their mouth, they're really doing themselves a disservice. So we want to get a lot of good uh, oral bacteria uh, uh, back in there, which of course is so important. And then the other factor in that is that the nitrates do not get absorbed on the first pass in a non-acidic stomach. So all the people that are taking proton pump inhibitors, the Prilosex, the Omeprazoles, all those fancy, you know, purple pills and, and whatnot, if they're not, if they don't have the stomach acid, they're not going to absorb the nitrates uh, and they're going to be in major trouble. So talk a little bit more about the bacteria in our mouth, because I think that fits in a previous podcast we did with uh, the folks at Mother Dirt, and they talked about the skin biome, and so we, we kind of established on that show the difference between cleanliness and sterilization, that you don't necessarily have to sterilize something for it to be clean. Uh, it sounds like that's what you're saying with oral hygiene. Uh, certainly. I mean, you know, brush your teeth with, uh, with water or some kind of natural toothpaste. Uh, there's herbal uh, oral, uh, you know, mouth rinses, and in fact, I think when, when you have a healthy uh uh, flora, oral flora, you actually will have good breath, and that is a sign of good health. So uh, a lot of these probiotics, you can chew them, uh, swish them around your mouth. Uh, the same thing you would do with the beetroot powder and with the daily greens drink is that you swish it around your mouth, let the saliva come in contact with it, let the good bacteria come in contact with it so you can activate it for absorption. But, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, and then the fermented foods, fermented foods, kimchi, sauerkraut, all the different cultural things that are out there. And there's 50 of them, of course, if not more. Uh, and, uh, you know, just once again, chewing the probiotics. Uh, I love kombucha. What a great afternoon. Pick me up uh, is a kombucha, especially out here in Arizona where it's so hot in the summertime. Uh, get that fizz, get that carbonation. It's, uh, it's delicious. All right. So I think uh, 
that's quite a bit of information there on spices and foods and stuff that I wasn't planning on. So that's really cool stuff there. What's the cardiovascular component to your physical exercise prescriptions? Well, I would say that uh, clearly the cardiovascular research supports the muscle building activity. Uh, would you rather look like a sprinter or look like a marathon runner? That stands, uh, you know, that, that holds true. Mm-hmm. And the, there has been plenty of studies done that show that marathon runners have more coronary artery disease than aged match controls. Now, one thing, invariably, that kind of heavy endurance activity, it's not what our ancestors did. It is very inflammatory. And then you take those same people and they run a mile and then they have a power bar, and then they run another mile, and they have a Gatorade, and then they run another mile and have a packet of goo. So those people are just super carb loading, causing tremendous amounts of damage from the sugar, obviously all the artificial ingredients and the products I just mentioned, uh, and they're really doing themselves a uh, disservice. So I think it's real simple. You don't need a fancy gym membership in most places around the country. Use your body weight. Get outside. What an opportunity to get out in the sunshine. I love going on a desert run. I love going on a desert hike, you know, with the kids and with my wife. And, uh, you know, usually during that desert hike, I'll do kind of like a uh, 10 minute out, 10 minute back, uh, really crank up, uh, uh, you know, my, my heart rate just because I love it. And I'm out there in the sun and it's just it's just such an extraordinary experience. I, that's what I love. And that's what most of our listeners love to do. So that sounds like a blast to us. Um, I think it's really cool that you mentioned, you know, what you're talking about with with the endurance runners who seem to, uh, for whatever reason, that dogma of carb loading and and carb fueling uh, seems to persist. But we've had guys like Mark Sisson on the show come in and and talk to us about, you know, how that's not the best fuel pathway. Uh, Dr. Andrews even talked about how um, those really strenuous and, and reaching beyond your ability uh, runs actually produce a whole lot of s- systemic inflammation and, and can be detrimental. So, um, you know, very, very cool to hear uh, yet another person agree with that, but also have a study uh, to back that up. If after we finish this, if you can email me the link to that study, I would sure. love to put that in the show notes uh, so that people can see that. Uh, that would be really interesting. Um, okay, so you mentioned earlier, and this is actually something that I jotted down because I love this, uh, that the root cause, and, and I think it's really great that you focus on cause, not symptom. Uh, we love that. Uh, but the root cause of most disease is poor nutrition and exposure to chemicals. Um, most of our listeners eat well. Uh, you know, we're, we're pretty intentional with the choices that we make. So I'd love for you to maybe throw out some traps or maybe hidden dangers that people in the paleo world or in the biohacking world may not even be aware of as far as sources of chemicals or, um, you know, maybe less than optimal food choices. Well, the first thing and what I tell my patients is that no matter what you do when you leave my office, uh, being organic should always be a priority. I would never, ever, ever, Ryan, 
go to a restaurant, for example, like a Sizzler or an Applebee's. And so if someone said, hey, listen, we're going out for dinner. This is where we're going. You got to come with. Uh, I would never order tortured animal products from any one of those restaurants. I would never eat a bar or a protein powder or anything that came from tortured animal products. Always do your research. Uh, uh, that That is certainly number one. Number two is I tell my patients if there's one thing you get out of this visit, aside from what I just said, drink organic coffee. You're going to have your coffee, but do it this way. Do it without the pesticides, without some poor Colombian, Honduran, Nicaraguan spraying pesticides all over the coffee crop, gets, kills the bugs, kills the plants, gets into the bean, kills our microbiome, it's going to kill us. Uh, it tastes the exact same. You get all the flavor. You get all of the French roast or breakfast blend or whatever may be your thing. And I'm a Chicago guy. Once I grew up, my father was a coffee drinker. I became a coffee drinker. I'll try and go away from it for long periods of time, uh, mostly because I have a genetic uh, uh, polymorphism when it comes to caffeine metabolism. 50% of the population, 5-0, are slow metabolizers of caffeine. Those people that drink four cups of coffee and more have a much, much, much higher risk of heart attacks, strokes, sudden cardiac death. Uh, So if you do consume coffee with that type of genetic, you want to keep it to one to two uh, cups. And then the third thing regarding uh, regarding the environment, your personal environment is look at your laundry detergent. How simple is it to throw out the Tide or the Cheer or the All or Gain or whatever you're using, get rid of that poison, and switch over to a product like Dr. Bronner's Cell Suds or even Eco's seventh generation. We personally use Dr. Bronner's fifth generation soap maker. The stuff is awesome. Cell Suds can be used for everything in the house except for in the dishwasher. Uh, so that's that's. Uh, super simple for people to do. Get rid of the fabric software, get rid of the dryer sheets. Ryan, as you know, I mean, so many people, they have no idea that these things are dangerous. The colognes, the perfumes, they're just walking around like this, like zombies, and they've got terrible allergies, terrible headaches, can't sleep, uh, every health problem possible, and you start chipping away at these things and removing them, and miraculously, that start the body starts to heal itself. Yeah, and it's you say miraculously with a smile, and I laugh because it's like there's really nothing miraculous about removing a chemical or pesticide exposure and then experiencing improved health. Now, the, the, I mean, the whole point. You're right. I mean, the whole point of the body the body the body is meant to heal itself, right? right. You know, you cut yourself. Uh, you know, while you're shaving or when you're out on a trail run, the body heals. And that's what the body does. That's what coronary artery disease is. It's the body healing itself from the onslaught of trauma that's happening from all of the garbage that's circulating around in people's bodies. So remove the garbage, the arteries will heal, the body will heal, and we'll live a long, healthy, happy life. So let's go back. You mentioned uh, 50% of the population has this polymorphism that impacts uh, caffeine metabolism. Yeah. How can people test themselves for that or figure out if they have that? Well, I guess the, the simplest thing uh, would be to go to a website like 23andMe.com and test your uh, genetics from them. That's on their panel that they check. Uh, you know, that's $199. Sometimes they run specials. You can also ask your, your natural doctor, even your conventional medical doctor, and say, hey, there's this uh, enzyme CYP21A, uh, and I want to check my genetics for that. 
because actually, if you're if there's evidence that you're a me rapid metabolizer, you actually do very well with two to three cups of coffee a day. You actually lower your cardiac risk compared to someone with that genetic who's not taking in the caffeine. Uh, the actual mechanism of why that's beneficial uh, from from you know from that standpoint, it's that's not known. Uh, it, I've never seen that in the literature as far as kind of why that's happening. We can postulate on the negative side that if people are slow metabolizers, caffeine is built up. Uh, what that does to uh, epinephrine, norepinephrine, uh, dopamine, serotonin, uh, what that does to, uh, you know, and how that impacts cardiovascular risk, I think is probably pretty obvious. Obviously, over the years, I've seen um, 25, 30,000 patients. And many of those people have overt symptoms from caffeine. But just because you are a slow metabolizer and have that enzyme uh, defect, SNP, uh, doesn't mean that you're going to have symptoms. So you can't really identify yourself based on symptoms. I've had slow metabolizers that say, oh, no, I have a cup of coffee and I'm sleeping 20 minutes later. Uh, so we can't tell just by symptoms alone. you got to get the DNA analysis. Right. Okay. So it's CYP21A. If, if people have already done 23andMe, go check that one out. If you are just curious, that's the one that you want to look for. Yes. Right. Okay. And uh, Dr. Bronner's, I'm a huge fan. That's what I use in the shower and uh, everywhere else. So, yes. Uh, and you said Sal Suds was the other one, right? We'll have links to all of those in the show notes for you guys listening. Well, so, Sal Suds is Bronner's uh, product that they use for specifically for laundry. Right. So, so what is the doctor's Bronner's product? Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So we'll have all those in the uh, links for you guys. Go to optimalperformance.com slash Dr. Jack Wolfson. That'll be the URL for this episode. You'll be able to see the video version and all of these links to the, the resources that we're talking about here. Dr. Wolfson is sharing a whole bunch of really cool stuff. Um, so while we're on that note, another thing that you talk about and, and make uh, critically important is that we need to remove toxins from our home uh, as much as possible. I think we've talked about some of this with perfumes, uh, laundry soap. I can imagine that another one would be something like air fresheners. Um, you know, what are some other ways that we can make sure that our home is free of toxins? Well, you know, I think, yeah, just like you said, you know, the, the Glade plugins, the, all those different scented things that are around, uh, you know, it, it also comes down to, uh, you know, furniture. And I tell my patients, think about every single thing you bring into your house is this item toxic or is it not? If you're bringing in the Tempur-Pedic mattress, you're bringing in a chemical bomb into your house and you're going to suffer the consequences. And the consequences, you know, they may not show up for years down the road. It's like when people say, well, uh, I've never had a problem with dryer sheets before. And I say, well, I, you had a heart attack. So I had a heart attack. Well, maybe your heart attack was partially impacted by the chemicals in the dryer sheets. Uh, or, you know, and a lot of times when people say, I don't have an issue with gluten and I say, well, you had a heart attack. Okay. Well, how does that two combine? Well, the gluten causes leaky gut syndrome. All the bad things get in hyperimmune response causes damage at the endothelial level. Uh, immune fighting cells get into the coronary vessels, uh, and then, and stoke plaque formation on and on. So, you know, once again, trying to bring those points to people. I'm a big fan of, of organic mattress, organic bedding. We try and use organic whenever possible. Uh, we try and buy as much organic clothing as we can within the realm of, of you know, what's possible. You can't, you're not going to get your, you know, uh, you know, your, your recent uh, tuxedo you wore at your wedding. You're not going to find that organically. 
the organic cleaners is a joke. So the minimum amount you can dry clean your clothes, uh, the better. If they spray your clothes with gasoline, that's organic. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so that's not going to be much of a benefit. You know, back in the day, obviously, I wore the, you know, the dress, shoot, uh, the dress shirts uh, that were finely uh, pressed and light starch from the dry cleaner and the suits and the slacks. I, I rarely wear those things. Uh, as you see right now, you know, I'm wearing a, a button-down uh, laundered shirt, you know, that we do at the house, and we have someone who comes in to iron our clothes, uh, and I'm wearing shorts and uh, standing barefoot at my standing desk. So there you go. I love it. That is great. So I think that's that's probably something that not a lot of people think about, whether it's the mattress or how they're laundering their clothes, even if they're getting them dry clean. Um, so do you have a recommendation then for beds? Uh, well, there's um, over at Paleo Effects. I don't know if you had a chance to meet with uh, the people from the Samina bed, S A M I N A, Klaus uh, and his wife, uh, Klaus with a C, and I and I forget his last name, but the Samina bed, S A M I N A, uh, that is a high end investment. I mean, that is it's a lot of money. But this is something you're going to have really for the rest of your life. You can also go to lifekind.com, uh, and Lifekind has organic, natural, latex, rubber mattresses. But these are kind of popping up all over the place, and it's really it's an investment for a lifetime. We have three organic latex uh, rubber mattresses in our house, and uh, they're going to be with us forever. I mean, there's just uh, they are naturally uh, flame retardant. They are dust mite resistant naturally. Just a great investment, a great product, and uh, you know, getting all the carpet out of the house, uh, getting rid of the drapes that are unnecessary. Once again, anything that can harbor dust mites and anything that can harbor mold, uh, get that stuff out. And if you're not sure, find an environmental environmental uh, environmental specialist to to just do a you know once over of your house. I mean, pay this person you know a couple hundred dollars, whatever they charge. And they come in, they do a fantastic assessment. They often bring in equipment to measure electromagnetic fields, uh, which is obviously beneficial as, as well. So, And certainly if you're considering a, a new home purchase, you want to uh, check out those things, check out the street, the area, where's the nearest cell phone tower, the big antennas, uh, all, the, all the sources of, uh, of EMF, check it out. All right. That's all great stuff. Very cool information there. Um, so then... Let's circle back. You just you ran through on a really quick level uh, exactly why gluten is so bad for us. That's not something I had planned to cover, but because you described it so perfectly, uh, I would love to just have that on our show as a reference. Um, so, can we run through that real fast? Uh, just you know, in case somebody is not aware of uh, that side of gluten, other than just hey, I heard gluten's bad, so I'm not going to eat it. Well, let me start off with this, is that when I met my wife in 2004, I was three years into practice, and she starts talking about gluten, and I, um, and I had only heard about gluten, the small protein found in wheat, barley, and rye, as far as patients with celiac, uh, or you know what used to be called celiac sprue. And I started... You know, I, I really tried to do some research back in 2004, and there really wasn't much in the way of, wait a second, where, is this really a problem, uh, gluten or, or non-celiac gluten sensitivity? But the natural doctors have been talking about it for years. But 
if you look at the literature over the last 10 years, there's a lot more in there about gluten sensitivity. There's a lot more in there about uh, intestinal hyperpermeability syndrome, otherwise commonly known as leaky gut. And now there are finally blood tests that can really determine uh, about the health of your gut barrier. One of my uh, companies that I use in this practice is called Vibrant America, and they have a panel called Vibrant Wellness. And Vibrant Wellness has a uh, test called the Wheat Zoomer, and Wheat Zoomer looks at four different celiac antibodies, but it also looks at about 20 different antibodies to the wheat particle, to the gluten particle, and to the non-gluten uh, components of wheat, uh, and the gliadin, so it really gives people a good reference. So it's kind of like, okay, you know what? I heard Ryan Muncy talking about gluten, and then he interviewed Jack Wolfson. He was talking about gluten, you know, but I'm still not sure. Okay, well, now we give you this piece of paper called your lab results that say <laughs> that your antibodies to, once again, gluten, wheat, non-components, non-gluten components of wheat uh, are sky high. This is causing you a problem. This could lead to long-term or short-term disaster. And then when it comes to leaky gut, where we're testing for zonulin, and zonulin antibodies and antibodies to lipopolysaccharides and antibodies to actin, uh, another component of a of the uh, uh, endo uh, uh, um, uh, you know of the gastric uh, you know bar barrier when it comes to that interface, we can test for those levels and really show people the results. And then we put them on a protocol and get them on the right diet and put them on a few supplements and retest them three months down the road and. They're starting to heal. So what does that do from a cardiac standpoint is that once you fix that, inflammation comes down because once again, we're targeting the source of inflammation. It's not about, well, how do we lower inflammation? Well, you can take a statin drug to lower inflammation uh, or you can take uh, you know, quercetin supplement to lower inflammation. Why not go after the cause? Right. So you go after that cause and then as all of these things go through that leaky gut, that sets up inflammation, sets up the immune response, the oxidative stress, uh, and then now you have all these nasty particles floating around the body, and they're looking for a place to go. And where do they like to go? Uh, they like to go in uh, places where there's a lot of flow, and a lot of flow is the coronary anatomy. A lot of flow is the carotid arteries. Uh, a lot of uh, areas of extensive flow uh, are in the renal arteries, leading eventually to hypertension, abdominal aorta, on and on. So that's where these things are uh, depositing. And, uh, and then, of course, you can target that with any autoimmune condition. You know, hey, listen, maybe your, your, your leaky gut uh, is leading to your Hashimoto's or autoimmune thyroid disease or autoimmune pancreatic disease, uh, autoimmune uh, collagen vascular disease, you name it. Uh, it's it's coming through that leaky gut, and the evidence is there, the science is there, and most medical doctors are not recognizing it. That's for sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely for sure. Most of them are not. So then, is it safe to assume that you probably don't recommend gluten for most people? I I have been pretty dogmatic. Well, first of all, obviously. Gluten is not paleo. Uh, wheat is not paleo. Barley, rye, none of those gluten-containing grains. The non-gluten-containing grains aren't paleo either. So for me, it's uh, it's very simple when it comes to that. But for when we test people, we're getting about two thirds to three quarters of people that have an autoimmune response to some component of gluten and have leaky gut. We're seeing it all over the place, and um, you know, so so. 
the question is, I guess, what to, what to do with the other quarter of the people that do not have that issue. For those people, I tell them a couple things. Uh, number one is that you may develop gluten sensitivity tomorrow or next day or six months down the road. So the future may have that for you if you continue on your path. Now, that being said, uh, the person who does not have any obvious sensitivity at the moment where all of their numbers are normal, um, you know, this is... You can probably tell that person, okay, if you go out for a nice meal and you're going to have organic bread or sprouted or Ezekiel, uh, you can probably get away with it. Uh, but it's still, at the end of the day, it still is carbolicious, still spikes blood sugar, spikes insulin, yep. not necessarily healthy. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of surprises me to hear the number that high, two-thirds to three-quarters. I, I really didn't expect you to come back with an answer that high. Um yeah, um, not to cut you off, I mean, and I can't say that that's necessarily what they're finding in the literature. I can only tell you that in my practice, and I've been running this test uh, for about four or five months uh, on a lot of patients, they're coming back and they all have the, these uh, um, antibody elevations. Now, what does that necessarily mean as far as, okay, the antibodies are high, um, uh as far as, as far as correlating a study to say, well, the antibodies are high and this puts you at increased risk for X, Y, Z, I think there's still that missing link, but it's an assumption of mine and obviously many people over the years that have seen uh, antibodies that have seen leaky gut to extrapolate that and say, okay, if you have this constellation of issues, you're going to develop <clears throat> uh, symptomatic disease on the other side. Right. And, and I mean, that's, that's enough for me to say, you know, I'm not going to eat gluten. I mean... I'm having if I'm having an inflammatory response to this thing, then I'm going to stop putting that thing in my body. Right, right, and and quite simply, oftentimes all we have to do is get rid of the gluten, uh, and we see this, you know HSCRP, phospholipase A2, oxidized LDLs, myeloperoxidase, whatever whatever marker you want to use of inflammation, and there's a hundred of them. Right, uh, they're coming down when you heal that gut. And brain function probably increases in response to that as well, right? Certainly. Obviously, uh, you know, at Paleo Effects, uh, uh, David Perlmutter was there, and uh, uh, Perlmutter and I spoke for a few minutes. Dr. Perlmutter and I spoke for a few minutes uh, before he lectured. We had a booth over there, and he came by to say hello. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, his whole thing about grain brain and about brain maker, uh, what he's really going after uh, is that crowd, and we see it all the time. And, and the data is very clear that those people that uh, <clears throat> you know consume wheat, consume gluten, uh, it leads to neurologic effects. And yeah, they they definitely do better once you start to remove that from their diet. We got to uh, meet Dr. Promoter there as well. Uh, we're still trying to get him scheduled to come on the show, but he he agreed. We're going to try to set that up. And I saw the picture of him at your booth. That was really cool. Um, you know, at your booth, you had a few other supplements as well, and you mentioned previously the uh, the beetroot powder. Uh, spirulina was another big one that you had at your booth. Tell us a little bit about some of those benefits. Yeah, Ryan, it was pretty interesting, obviously, there, because everybody was selling some kind of meat product or seafood product or nut seed product, but there were no vegetables at Paleo Effects. <laughs> so everybody kept coming by to our booth, and they're like, they're like, oh, I need my fix of greens, and I want the, you know, the greens, the superfood, and the beetroot powder. So it was excellent, uh, and we met some awesome, uh, you know, fantastic people that way. 
so we have three main products that we really, really push, and this is what I do on a daily basis. My patients do, my wife does, my two boys. And it's our daily greens, our superfood, and our beetroot powder. The daily greens is organic combination of greens, no stevia, no citric acids, no flavorings, nothing like that in a glass bottle. And we have the superfood, which is chlorella spirulina, uh, both of which have tremendous cardiovascular benefits. There was a recent meta-analysis about spirulina, uh, what it does for lipids, total cholesterol, LDL, and it really makes some meaningful impact just in and of itself, spirulina. Uh, chlorella is a tremendous detoxifier, pulls heavy metals. So the ability to start off every day with that kind of combination, it's really exciting and I tell, I tell people, you know, do you eat salad every day? No. Well, then get the greens in your diet. Uh, you know, are you eating, you know, your three to five or eight servings of vegetables, whatever. So uh, nothing beats eating a fresh salad. And, and I would never say that. Uh, certainly a fresh juice uh, is, is excellent. But, you know, you're missing out on the fiber when it comes to the juice. Or if you do a smoothie, that, that's all wonderful. But for you and I that are traveling to events and when I speak around the country, uh, you know, I, I take my products with me because you never know when you're going to be uh, away from food, not have good access to food. Uh, and even when I'm traveling, I want to make sure that we have those products with us to start off every day. You know, it's funny that you use that example about paleo effects because that was so true. And, you know, I that was one of the events where as a traveler, I was looking forward to it because I thought in my head going in, like, I'm going to have no problem getting the, the quality food that I want. And like you said, nobody there had vegetables. Um, when we went to Expo West, there were 10, oh. 10 different uh, sauerkraut or kimchi tables. So you got all the fermented vegetables you want. But at, at Paleo, that was, uh, it was tricky. So we had yours. And then uh, day two and three, the Primal Foods booth had all their salads. Uh, Mark Sisson's booth had theirs. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Mark Sisson has some awesome products. He's doing some great things, and uh, you know we love his mayonnaise. In fact, last time we were we did chicken, and we were kind of dipping it into the chipotle lime stuff. And uh, yeah, Mark is Mark has been fantastic, and obviously one of the founding fathers of uh, at least a modern day healthy paleo movement for sure. Yes, definitely. Hey, so so Dr. Wilson, let's give everybody a, a chance right now to find you if they want more of you or, or to find your website after they hear you on this podcast. Sure. Our website for my wife and I is the doctorswolfson.com and doctors is abbreviated DRS. Uh, we've got some excellent blogs on there, links to videos, uh, certainly links to our social media, links to our shop page where we have the top supplements that we recommend. Uh, when you get on there, it's really a lot of information based w- regarding the product. So if I talk about beetroot powder, I talk about all the benefits and the sources of that. Uh, you know, you can buy my book on the website. People have, uh, you know, obviously uh, you know, been against uh, you know, our mission, a natural holistic mission. So a lot of people are critical uh, of my book and Amazon commentary. You know, but listen, my book has 300 references. And if you're insulting me, you're insulting the 300 authors from the American Journal of Cardiology and the Journal of the American Cardiology Association and Journal of American Hearts, on and on, uh, you're insulting those authors, those MDs and PhDs that wrote that material. So, and then of course we're on social media. I love to go on Instagram. I love Facebook. Uh, you know, just getting the information out there, and that's uh, that's how we're going to do it. What's the name of the book? The book is called The Paleo Cardiologist: The Natural Way to Heart Health, Amazon bestseller. There are 17 chapters, uh, only um, uh, two of which are on uh, paleo, 
uh, you know, as far as food is concerned, right. uh, that's where we kind of tackle uh, the importance of uh, cholesterol, the importance of, of LDLs, HDLs, the goods, the bads. Uh, we talk about real cardiovascular risk markers that matter. We have a whole chapter about the importance of sleep and how to get it. And uh, yeah, really, I, I think just some fantastic information. We have a chapter in there called The Wonders of Chiropractic, which really talks about why people need physical uh, uh, adjustments, physical manipulation, why chiropractors uh, in, in a lot of ways should be the gatekeepers in society. They are the wellness doctors uh, that carry that kind of credentials. And it really, it takes a village. It takes it takes a lot of different people to keep people healthy. It takes me from a cardiovascular standpoint and you to get information out there and, and physical activity and all these different things. It's, it's really not a one-person job uh, by, by any stretch. So, uh, yeah, the, the book has been fantastic. I wrote the book for two reasons. One, so people around the world uh, can really get access to holistic health cardiology information. Uh, and the other is for those people to shove it in the face of their cardiologist and say, hey, here's what this doctor is saying that I don't need the drugs, I don't need the procedures. I talk in I talk in the book, I have a whole chapter really about the about the drugs. And in there I don't tell people not to take the drug. I talk about evidence base. Here's here's what happens, you know, if you take the drug, your risk of a heart attack is 8%. If you um if you don't take the drug, your risk is 10%. Well, that's a 2% difference that the pharmaceutical industry and the physicians have really capitalized on. But we don't want you at 10% or 8%. We want you at 0%. And that's what the goal is of my medical practice, of the book. I talk about who needs procedures, who doesn't, so people can hear the truth from a doctor because they're not getting it from their own doctor. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's a startling statistic that it's only a 2% improvement. Uh, we Obviously, there's, there's different categories, but when it comes to primary prevention of cardiovascular events, statins have very, very small, finite benefits. And we can go totally conspiracy theory and say, well, and it's the pharmaceutical companies that are paying for the studies. So, yep. you know, another thing I talk about in the book is the, is the uh, uselessness and the futility of taking aspirin for primary prevention for the vast majority of people. And here you've got the Bayer Corporation solicits the FDA to ask them for permission to label uh, you know, label claims for primary prevention. The FDA reviewed the data and the FDA is owned by the corporations and still the FDA came back and said, no, we're not going to give you that label claim. Yet how many millions of people in the country are taking aspirin because they think it benefits them from a cardiovascular standpoint. So my book is about exposing the truth. Uh, and, uh, and, and like I said, it's been very well received. Well, I can't imagine that it wouldn't be by somebody who was open-minded and, and in search of the truth. So we, we appreciate you writing that and, and helping get that information out there. We'll have links to all of that, the website, the book, all your social media accounts on the uh, blog post with this. So if you guys are listening, optimalperformance.com slash Dr. Jack Wolfson. Um, and you'll be able to see the video version of this as well. All right, Dr. Wolfson, before we let you go. One more question. It's the question that every guest has to answer. We want to know your top three tips to live optimal. Top three tips to uh, live optimal. Um, get sleep. Get sunshine. And um, go organic. Okay. All right. Easy enough. 
easy enough. Yep, easy to remember, easy to implement, and uh, all very impactful. Yep, thank you, thank you. I, I have a list of a lot more we could do, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, the importance of sleep is, it's, uh, you know, so everybody's walking around fatigued, everybody's tired, that's because no one's sleeping, and, and it's, uh, you know, once you think about it, like, wow, that really makes sense. I'm only getting five hours of sleep a night. No wonder why I'm exhausted. When our paleo ancestors went to sleep with the sundown and awake with the sunrise, the average person goes to sleep these days at midnight. Midnight, on average. I mean, that's just uh, catastrophic. Yeah, it is. Uh, okay. Dr. Wolfson, thanks for hanging out with us. This has been an incredible episode. Thanks for sharing everything that you shared with us. For you guys listening, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you go to the website, see the video version and blog with all the links and resources.